I'm Marley. I'm Jana. I'm Victoria. And this is Studio Stories. So start from like day one when you decided that you wanted to have a studio. So a little background on Adagio and how it was born. Um, I talk about, I always say the story is like we kind of rose from the ashes because I had moved, I had lived in the Bay Area for a few years with my then boyfriend, now husband. We moved back to um, here where we're at (laughs) now. We moved back home and... um, I was teaching at a studio locally that I had danced at my whole life, and the owner was getting ready to retire, um, but wasn't quite ready to let go yet. So I had taken on a lot of classes. In the past, I had I had worked a lot of hours. I had um, choreographed numerous dances for shows. Um, all of that, you know, There was a lot of good, but there was also a lot of bad with that and a lot of things that I learned. Um, And so over the time that I taught there, it was about 11 years that I had danced at that studio, was teaching and we had interest in competition, but we didn't have a competition program because that studio was so small at the time. We weren't really doing enough technique um, to like permit a competition team. I mean, the kids couldn't even do proper chenets or pas de berets. They were dancing Mm -hmm. like one hour a week. Um, And it was mostly like a social thing. So I kind of started a program there on Thursdays. That's all I was given was Thursday nights. So Thursdays I would teach. Then before I knew it, I had classes on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And every class had 15 kids and there was no room. So at that point, I had kind of a bit of a following. This is 2018. 2019, we are 2018 to 2019 kind of gathered up a lot of students. One of my brother, my brother actually was taking from me and a lot of his friends in high school at the time were like drama kids. So they were taking class as well. So we had this big following and not really anywhere to go with it. I had talked to the owner about potentially buying uh, their book of students and kind of taking over, um, but they they weren't having it. Hold on. I had talked to the studio owner about buying their book, you know, and kind of like taking over, but maintaining the core value of like having a familial studio that was kind of relationship focused over everything else. Um, But they weren't really ready for that. So another year went by, right? So we're kind of uh, um, approaching COVID time. At that point, I had started a comp team with only five little girls, right? Five, they were seven and eight. And they were dancing two days a week. And um, we went to our first comp. They won. They got first in their division. First time ever. I mean, I'm not a competition dancer. So it was, like, really cool that our little studio, We I had no experience choreographing for comp, no idea how to costume for comp, none of that stuff. So we did so well. And then COVID hit. Literally, we went to competition, like, March 3rd. And then COVID happened, like, two weeks a week later, right? So we shut down, but all these kids were so fired up. And then all my other kids and my other students were seeing this result of all this hard work at our little studio, right? And I talked to the owner and I said, let me teach. Um, They said, no, we need to close. So we closed. And that time I maintained my students via Zoom and they did not. So there was kind of a disconnect that happened. Um, I approached them again in July of that year. this was during COVID. During COVID. Yeah, right after March. So kind of did some Zoom lessons in my thing. Um, 
during that time, another local studio, this is where it gets crazy, another local studio um, knew who I was because I was getting my dance degree at City College. Um, they knew who I was. They knew that I was starting a comp program and they knew how a lot of students. So they offered me a position to be their competition director at another studio, right? At their studio. Um, at the time, I really wanted to like do something with this. I had kind of a running start with all the students that I had built. Um, and it wasn't just that I had a reputation at the old studio. It, it wasn't just like, oh, everybody knew who I was because I had been riding on the coattails of some other studio owner. Like mm -hmm. I moved away and came back and didn't have a lot of students, had three kids, then went to 10 kids, then 15. And they were kids, new students that were coming in to take my classes, right? Some of them were students of the studio for sure. And they still dance with me now five years later, right? But some of them were students that I had brought in. So fast forward, I accept this job offer after talking to the old studio owner and saying, this is what I have on the table. This is, um, you know, the opportunity. They did not like that. They proceeded to tell me that it was a bad decision, that, um, you know, I shouldn't move studios. This particular studio owner that was quote unquote poaching me is poaching all the students in town and that they're not to be trusted. Um, it's just, didn't have nice things to say, right? So this is studio, we'll call it B. Yeah, so we have studio A, studio B, and then in <laughs> okay. the future, studio C, right? So I was only 22 at the time, and I was just kind of like, okay, I'm getting my degree, I love to teach, I know I have a knack for choreography, I know I have a knack for people. Um, so after that conversation, there were tears, there was frustration. I had been with a studio owner for so long, but it really felt like they didn't want me to fly. It really felt like, you know, I, I put in so many years of work and free work, lots of free work, lots of just donating my time because it's a passion project. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, after all those years, there was a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of emotional abuse, a lot of psychological abuse like that happened Absolutely. to me and to many other students um, that are, still dance with me whose parents will come to me even now and say like we're so glad that you started Adagio my dancer is so happy their mental health has improved all those things right so <clears throat> I knew in that situation like moving on was the right choice even though it was yucky and it wasn't fun to go through like I did everything on my end like to the most transparent like possible like hey this is where I'm at I want to buy your book they offered me a job. What do you want me to do? It felt like the studio owner of Studio A, right? He didn't want me to fly. Like, no, you can't. If I'm not successful, then you can't be successful. And that was kind of, you know, mm. like not indicative, I guess, but like indicative of like my whole experience there as a dancer. Like, that's how he was. So from Studio A, the teacher there, mm -hmm. is he the one that taught you or he, she? Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah. So my experience there, my experience leaving there was, you know, the same, right? I shouldn't have expected, I shouldn't have expected that there would have been support, right? It was just a jealousy thing. And it was obviously he was hurt. Like it wasn't, um, you know, I think he wanted me to take over, but like on his terms, 
but I was ready to fly then. Right. And so, and I had waited already. I had already had the conversation and there was already talk of like, yeah, I'll show you the ropes, but that kind of never happened. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I move over to this other studio. He is livid. He is so angry with me, blocks me on Facebook, blocks all the parents that came with me, um, you know, is trash talking. I mean, the list goes on. It's it's wild because I'm here 22 years old, haven't said a negative word whatsoever, have kept my mouth shut for three years now. Um, and even, you know, recommended him around town. Like, Hey, if you want tap, that's where you go. You want tap here are your two options. It's this studio or that studio. If you want adult tap. This is where you go. Cause he's, you know, fun, that's what he does. He's great at that. Right. Um, so but at the end of the day, was it more business or was that his passion? I mean, it's a hobby. Yeah. That's a whole other thing that I can get into <laughs> later, but, but so I left, right? And and I didn't say anything. I didn't I I felt like on my end of things as a 22-year-old in that moment and dealing with a 60-year-old who's irritated with you. It's like you have 40 years of life experience. You have 40 years more of teaching experience than I do. You bought a studio and this is crazy. Bought your studio from my mom's best friend's mom. Mom's best friends. Family. My family. You bought your studio from my family, essentially, right? Um, It should have gone to me. It should have gone to me. And instead, they went out of business. He closed, right? Over pride. That's what it was. It was pride. Like, right, right, right. And so, all that to say, like, there's a lot of love there. I'm hoping that there is repair. And that's why I haven't said anything or talked to anybody about anything. Because I, you know, there's a ton of details, but I just don't want to go there because it's not helpful. But the bottom line is I left there to go to Studio B. I go to Studio B, right? That was a nightmare experience. So my experience leaving Studio A was like rough and I was sick over it, like very anxious. People that know me know I'm like very people pleaser. And so I get really anxious and it makes me like physically sick. So I was like sick for like a month over that. I go to Studio B. And then I find out, so this is like July of COVID times, right? I start a comp program there. I bring about 30 students with me um, and not all of them stuck. I mean, I think once we, once COVID hit, I had a lot of students at the first studio. Then COVID happened and a lot of them were scared, rightfully so. And then it dropped down to about like half, like 30, 25, 30 students. Then I moved to Studio B and Studio B, the way they ran things did not vibe with a lot of my parents. A lot of my students just, they didn't like the way they did their billing. They didn't like the personalities of the studio owners. They felt they were very standoffish and just like, I mean, for lack of a better word, just rude in general. Right? They used to be my teachers. Yeah. So that's where you come in. Yeah. I'll have to talk <laughs> yeah. about that too. Wow. So they did not like how Studio B was being ran. Fast forward to November. I'm putting in a lot of work at, at Studio B, you know, brought a bunch of students. They were, it was basically a dead studio. There was like hardly anybody. The owner was going into debt and, you know, the youngers bought this studio. The younger teachers bought this studio. It's a very well-known studio around town, but the owner is ready to retire. So she gives it slash sells it to two of her younger teachers and, um, you know, they have this whole idea of rebranding and doing this thing. They've got like five locations. It's just insane. 
the way they did it was so about money and that was so opposite of what I had been taught at the studio I came from, but then also just opposite of who I am, especially if it's something I'm passionate about. Like I, I just don't care about the money. So there's that piece, which I understand it's a business and there should be money made, right? Like it shouldn't be a free thing. Otherwise it's just a hobby, but it was like, you know, so abrasive. The transition was so abrasive. Um, I got COVID and my sister got COVID and we were very worried about Thanksgiving. So I worked there for a few months. November happens. I take a couple weeks off to kind of see what my test results are. Cause at that time it was like a wait time to get a COVID test. Right. Mm, yeah. So long story short, they, while I was gone in that two weeks had changed my choreography for all the comp kids. Right. At this point I was irritated because I didn't need help with that. Right. Like we had just, we were coming off of last year, we had one dance go out and it won. Mm -hmm. And then we had two solos, the comp before that. And they also got like top three. And I'm thinking to myself like, hmm, that's weird that they would go in and change my choreography. And then tell my students it's bad. So they were like, my students that I brought over telling them like, oh, we don't like this dance. This dance isn't very good, whatever. And the students having that relationship with me told me they were like they literally did this while you were gone can you believe that oh my gosh like what's going on here so not only did they make themselves look bad but they hurt my feelings like you don't do that to another teacher like you just you don't Mm -hmm. talk about another teacher's choreography to the students that learned it ever or other students it is so that's so wrong so that was a huge red flag and that happened while I was gone of course and they're like, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? And I'm, I was planning on addressing this when I came back, right? So They should have came to you. Right. If they didn't like it. But also, it was like, you know, a lot of them had not had the technique that they should because we were just starting, right? So we had this idea of what we wanted to do before COVID. Then COVID happened. Then we did a little bit. Then they auditioned, right? But most of them couldn't even do a double turn. So yeah, what do you think? I mean, it's going to be simple. It's, it was a building year. And even honestly, fast forward to now, like those students are still with me and now they can do 32 Alisacon. They can do, you know, their leaps are flat. Their back bends are beautiful. Like their technique is so, so good. And it's, it, it just takes time. Right. But at that moment, they, the teachers that were there, you know, and they were the owners, they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't see like, okay, this is where it's going and this is the arc of where they're going to be. They weren't in my classes. They didn't know what I was working on. Lots of therabands, lots of stretch conditioning, all those things that take time but are worth the time, right? Not just, if you don't have a Shanae Perfect, then you can't move on. Like it's not an old school way of teaching. I'm going to throw them into things that I think they can handle so long as they're strong enough, right? So the dances were kind of messy. There was double turns in them. There was like split leaps. There was all kinds of stuff. And so, of course, they looked messy. But they put that on the kids. They're like, you guys look bad. This choreography is terrible, right? So I found that out. I was mad. Then they were like, well, when are you coming back? And I'm like, well, I have COVID. So, you know, I'm going to take a little breather for a sec. Yeah. And then I find out 
all the parents were so upset that they somewhat like staged a sort of like walkout situation while I was gone. I was not aware of it, didn't contact them. I, didn't, I mean, I, I wasn't talking to anyone, right? Because they had told me at Studio B, they had said, you're not allowed to talk to the parents. They're, these are our students. We paid for them. Even though you brought the Even kids though I in. brought them, right. Yeah. And I was like, you didn't, you didn't buy anything. Um, this is a relationship. These people are like family to me. So, and, and I was right. Here we are two years later. Guess what? They're still there. Like the relationship speaks for itself. Right. So they, they were so upset, right? They were so upset about what was going on in the classes, how the kids were being treated. They, a lot of these parents, you know, some of them were very like, pro-vaccine, pro-mask, and then some were very anti-mask, anti-vaccine, right? So, of course, the ones that didn't want their kids wearing masks in class were so upset when the owners were subbing my class, put masks, physically put masks on these seven, eight, and nine-year-old kids, and were making them dance in it, and then were sent outside in the freezing. This is November, okay? This all happened in the two weeks I was gone. Sent them outside to go get water and they're covered in sweat, right? Cause they're dancing with their masks and stuff. And, and the parents were like, we're worried they're going to get sick. Yeah, like this is unethical yeah. and didn't even ask, they didn't even ask permission or anything. Right. So they were all upset and there's a tight group of them, like four or five of them. And so those tight, that tight group was like, we don't really want to participate in this. We're kind of, we're out basically. And they thought I staged that. So the owners of the studio thought I was like pulling strings behind closed doors and that I was like not coming in because we were like mad and going to leave. But the reality was, is that it was all they're doing. Like I got sick. I was doing the right thing, waiting for my COVID test. I wasn't talking to the dance moms because they had told me I wasn't allowed to, right? They were mistreating the dance moms. And these parents will stand up for themselves. They're not like... Oh, okay, like they're just not that way. So they stood up for themselves and then I got fired. So they tried to take all my students and look for one little mess up so that they could fire me and keep all my students. Out of all the whatever it is, 30 students, they have one. We, I get fired December 4th, 2020. I'm like, well, okay, now what? And so I was pretty upset because... I was done at that point. Like, I was really irritated and just over it. I was going to quit anyways. Um, and they knew. They were just like, you know, you're over it. Your people are over it. I hadn't done anything at that point to, like, prove otherwise other than the COVID thing, being out for that two weeks. So the dance moms call me, um, like, right it right before I got fired, like right around that time and within that couple of days, like December 3rd, 4th and 5th. So I'm on the phone. I mean, Mike remembers. It was like, I was probably on the phone for like eight hours, three days in a row. Just, I lost my voice because I was like telling everyone this story Yeah. because I had kept my mouth shut. I hadn't talked about uh, the first studio. I hadn't talked about the second studio, talked about the owners, my experience, like nothing. Mm -hmm. So I basically was like, you know what? I'm spilling. I'm going to tell you guys everything because, you know, you've stuck with me and you support me clearly and we have this relationship and I love your kids. So talk to my group of parents. There was about 20 of them at that time. And they're like, so now what? 
And I'm like, well, uh, I mean, I had just gotten into UC Santa Barbara at that same time. Wow. And on a full scholarship for dance. Okay. And so I could have either gone to UC Santa Barbara and, you know, just kind of parted ways with the whole dance situation or, you know, run with the momentum that I had, right? Mm -hmm. Which was this group of students who was hungry to learn and grow and wanted to learn from me. So I started a garage studio. Did you ever think about maybe finding another studio or you just went straight to garage? Right, right. So here's the thing. We had thought, I had thought about sort of just going to, you know, studio X, Y, or Z. I mean, there's 30 studios here, you know, so there's a lot of options, but it felt like at that time with COVID restrictions, our only choice was really to like, just do our own thing. So December 4th, I got fired. January 4th, I started Adagio. And I, by the grace of God, like in that time, I I remember I went to Utah with my brothers to just clear my head because I was so overwhelmed and I was depressed and I was just like, what am I going to do? I can't start a studio. I'm like 22. Like what? Like, you know, what am I going to do? So, um, I guess I was like 23, 20, 23 or 24. Yeah. So anyways, I was like, I don't think I can, I don't have any money saved. Like I really want to get a UC Santa Barbara, but I prayed about it. And like, it was totally the right thing. Like I just, it's been such a good experience overall. It's been stressful, but it's been good overall. So I would not change a thing, you know? Um, so by the grace of God, I was like looking on Craigslist and I found Marley Flooring and Ballet Bars that somebody closed their home studio up in the Bay Area where Mike works. So I we went there with a trailer, picked it all up. My dad and I subfloored the garage and I started with like six students. Then I had nine students. Then I had 12. And then that's when we did Diamonds. Yeah. Okay. And we started diamonds in the garage. The big with the fans. Yes. Okay. And then at that point, I was like, "Oh shoot!" So this was January, March, February, April. We did a whole comp season in the garage, and the best part was, even with the little, the all the ups and downs and the hiccups and everything, like, and it's not necessarily about like, oh, the piece of plastic, right? Of like winning, but after everything we had been through. We won everywhere we went. And every were, single dance. You were competing while you were working in the garage. garage. Wow. We kept, so we, in that we had small little space. And it, yeah, it's a 20 by 20 space. So it's about like less than a thousand square feet. It's like 840 square feet and of like usable dance space. Yeah. We had two upright mirrors that were four by six. So six feet tall, four feet wide. And we had one speaker and I taught every class. Um, and I, I mean, I, we did everything. It was like, and not just that, it was like so sweet because a lot of these parents had nothing for their kids to do with COVID. And so I would pick them up and bring them home. I would like go to their house for lessons. Like, so it was very like familial. Was this your only job? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Full time. This well, in the garage. Literally. Yeah. And, and those, I'm so grateful because those parents that believed in me, like supported me. Like, they're the reason why I, like, even have had the opportunity, right? Like, from yeah. the beginning. And they're still with and you They're now. still with now. me. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It started from there to how you are now. Right, right. We'll get to that, but. Yeah. So, fast forward. 
um, after the garage, there was kind of, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, minute details, but little things like this person saw you at comp and they, you know, our friend dances there and we want to come try it. So after we had gotten to like 20 students, I was like, uh this isn't working anymore. <laughs> like I, cause I couldn't combine any of my classes. I could really only do classes of like two or three kids. So everything was like a semi-private basically. And then once we started diamonds, it was, there were 12 in that dance. So we had 12 people in that tiny room wow. and it would just get so hot and everything. So, um, June, I started looking for a space and we moved into our studio on September, September 13th. So then we were there for what, a year? Yeah. A year and two months. And we outgrew that one. Is that when Victoria joined in there? So Victoria joined in October and we moved to our location in September. So yeah, so let's crazy. switch to you. So so what was your experience coming in? Let's see, when I came in Well, how did you guys meet first? Like how through the studio. So I was getting my haircut. I had just moved over here and I was getting my haircut and this girl's like, Well, if you love dance, because I was saying I miss dance, and she said, well, um, my friend is looking for a dance teacher. She's like, so I'll, I'll like make an interview or something for you guys. So I was like, oh, okay. And then we met for coffee, hit it off, and then I um, kind of TA'd a class, and yeah, that's it. And you were coming from where? All the way from Humboldt. I had just finished college. So just out of college. Small world. I know, right? right? Really weird. And she she came in, and it was one of those things where, like, for the first, like, four weeks, I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I was like, see. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. But then, like, but I realized, like, with her, like, she is, like, very observant. Like, she, once she observes it, like, two or three times, then she's, like, got it. So, like, after the first few weeks, I was like, oh, man, this girl rocks. Like, and and she's been like so integral like ever since. Yeah. Like, and you had such a bad experience though before with teachers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And she's so sweet. We'll have to do teacher one day like <laughs> what it's like to hire teachers. Yes. <laughs> and then we moved into the big space, which was crazy because I got married in November that year. Like I got mm -hmm. engaged right before we moved into our. Clovis location. We were there for a year, and then we got. I got married right after we moved into our new location, which is five thousand square feet with two rooms. It's wild. It's like, and sometimes it still doesn't even feel big enough, right? Like, yeah. Sometimes it feels too big, and then other times I'm like, we need another room. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. But so then, yeah. So basically, after Victoria came on, we kind of like got into a flow of things again. Like comp team was killing that year. They they killed last year too. It's been like so. Uh, rewarding coming from like non-competition backgrounds like Victoria and I both you know growing up like very humble beginnings like you know we cleaned the studio for lessons and things like that so moving into this like totally opposite world of like the glitz and the glamour and like the comp life like it's it's almost like fun like we're living our like childhood yeah. dreams but then the also costumes. like making it so much better for these kids and then like proving that you can be positive and like have you know um, mental health at the forefront of their training and like still do well it's been like really really super cool so that's a sidebar but back to studio c so i messaged you during studio b yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i did i messaged on tiktok wow. yeah. yes on yes TikTok. it was on tiktok i was like 
if you ever need anyone to sub or like if anything, I can't remember what I said, but I was like, if you ever need any help or anything, I'm willing to come in. And you were like, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. And then I think time just went on. And then one day you were like, can you do my lashes? Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. that's when you told me. And why well, I, I mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for something. Like, I'm looking for a job. Right. And then you were like, no way. Awesome. And then that's when you told me about that. And then the other job that I have right now mm-hmm. that I'm working at. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a whole other one. Yeah. I don't know if I can talk about that now. Yeah. <laughs> In the future. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then eventually from there, that's when I started working at Studio See, <laughs> yeah, which is Adagio, yeah. Adagio, Adagio dance now. company, yeah, and um, yeah, it's been super, super cool. I'm super grateful for you guys, and excited for us to um, do studio stories and what studio stories is, what it's going to be. Now that people know who we are, kind of know the origin story, um, I want to talk about like some main things that we're gonna basically. I guess accomplish with this podcast or just like um, vent about. <laughs> I think just our backgrounds of how when we danced when we were younger, how it was then versus how it is now. Yeah. The whole mental health. Um, what else? Just body positivity. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk three pieces. So we're going to talk about like the mental health you know, aspect of like what that's like, what it was like for us growing up, what it's like now, and then what we're doing to kind of like make it better. But then um, what it's like day to day to teach kids now, like post COVID and like their attention spans and like what we do and how we manage that. Um, And then on the flip side, all the good, bad and the ugly that comes with running a competition studio. So like, you know, stories. I want to tell stories of my experience, you know, like, like dance moms. (laughs) Like there's a reason there's a show y'all like it is crazy. Tell me why I started watching dance mom last night. And it it. seems like out of range if you're not part of the dance world, but then if you watch it and you're part of the dance world, you're like, yeah, that totally, totally something crazier would have happened. I remember watching that show when I was probably in elementary middle school and then me watching it now, starting watching it yesterday it's crazy because back then it was like, oh yeah, you know, like you get it, girl. Or mm-hmm. but then I see it now, I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah, like that's totally not okay. <laughs> Victoria, you want to go first? What am I going first with? Um, just in general, like your experience. Like, did you have any challenges mm. growing up? Like, when did you start dancing? Let's see. I started dancing um, in eighth grade, so I started really late, and then so because of the, like, kind of person I am and, like, my family, like, raised me to be, I was very much, like, if I'm behind in something, I'm going to push myself to, like, be the best. And so, like, I had all these girls that were dancing since they were, like, two years old and they were great and amazing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be them. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna reach that. So, yeah, I think I just fell in love with dance. And I'd always, always watch um, So You Think You Could Dance. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love that. You know, middle of the night, just, like, watching it in my living room dancing. I love like, it. you know, being crazy and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I think just since then I love dancing. And in college I grew to love it. And then now being a teacher and, like, teaching kids, it's so surreal to see their experience and be like, oh, I remember when I was that age. Or, you know, I remember that feeling of being frustrated and being able to kind of mentor them and, like, how do you 
balance that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your favorite, um, like, age to teach, and what is your favorite style to teach? Oh, gosh. Okay. My favorite age is probably, like, seven or eight, Mm -hmm. just because of how honest they are and the out-of-pocket things they say. Like, just the (laughs) sassiness level is hilarious. Like, with our kid that one day, I think we were teaching um, the littles. And then remember, she said, um, she started crying out of nowhere. We're like, why are you crying? She oh, said, yeah, yeah. I forgot to leave cookies for Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are just cute. They're cute little things. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I would say mm-hmm. favorite style, um, probably jazz. Yeah. Jazz yeah. or lyrical. Yeah. You're a jazz arena. That's what we do. Dun, 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 dun. We love jazz at yeah. ABC. Okay, your turn, Jan. Um, I started dancing when I was about five. It started out with hip-hop. Well, I think my mom realized that I liked dancing when I was probably like one or two because, (laughs) you know, at the Mexican parties, you'd be dancing and everything. All the kids would be sleeping in their arms and I would be on the dance floor at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) Oh my family, You know, so, um, I was five. Well, I was living in LA. Then we moved to Fresno and then from Fresno we moved to Sacramento then we came back to Fresno and then that's when I was like okay I'm gonna put her in dance class we bought our first house here uh, I started out with hip-hop I loved it I've thrived in, in that and then from there she was like I'm gonna put her in Polynesian because some of my cousins did Polynesian Ooh, so I did that and then from there my mom said okay we're gonna have you join the studio Um, nothing but ballet and then from there it came I think at that time my parents couldn't afford like dance classes or anything Mm -hmm. like that so I went through a phase where I was like soccer you know (laughs) so I played soccer and then that's when it hit when I joined uh I went to Blur Talent oh yeah yeah. I went to Blur Talent that's elementary middle school yeah and I started acting singing dancing all of that and I loved it and I think from there, that's when I realized, like, I took dancing so serious, yeah. like, very serious. So that's either going to, like, the West Coast dance explosions or um, performing at Disney or competing in Washington or competing in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all for singing and dancing. And then I was big into, like, theater. So I did all the musical theaters there. And then that's when I graduated from there or promoted or eighth grade promotion, went into high school, and I started just dancing full-time pretty much. And then the studio that you worked at, Studio B, um, they were my teachers. Yeah. They were my teachers. And um, it's a love-hate relationship with them. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) um, I got along with one. The other one, I liked her. I liked her, you know. Um, We had our moments. I did get her in high school, so I had to take a little break. I have bad knees, so it was a lot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just in general, I grew up with a lot of um, teachers would be like, "Mm, I would have put you there, but you're too short, so it doesn't fit. Yeah. You know? So I kind of just had to grow up with that. Like, I'm short. I'm going to own it. There's nothing I can do about it. God made me this way, you know? So, um, and then college came and I decided I went to City College. So I didn't want to dance there. I personally did not like 
the, the dance vibe yeah. there. It just wasn't for me. It just seemed very not professional or just, I don't, I can't yeah, explain it. Yeah, not what you it. were used to. And- yeah, I just, there was just something about it. And honestly, in college, I decided to do cheer. That was my outlet to dance, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when I met Marley. Mm-hmm. I met Marley at cheer. Um, you were there for a little bit, then you, you I didn't out know of there. you were a cheerleader. Yeah, fun fact. Um, um, we, I lost a bet. So I tried out, and of course, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Circling back to my first studio owner experience, right? Mm-hmm. My first studio that I came from. At that time, I was dancing there and starting that little program up. Yeah. And uh, they told me um, that the college cheer is a joke. Don't People don't take themselves seriously that do that team. That's a joke. Don't do it. And it was like that. That was my experience. So that's such a good example. But that was my experience with them my whole life. And I actually loved being on the cheer team. It was actually really fun. And it was a lot of like, um, it was a lot of like conditioning and strengthening and things like that. But I had never cheered before. It was really fun. Other than the coaches. Yeah. (laughs) The coaches were wild, which is why we both quit. Yeah. I mean... I, I'm surprised they stood there. Like, I was there for that long. I did two years with them. And the Props. first year, yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, I did learn a lot. I feel like I did cheer in high school, only one year in high school, and then cheer in college. And I felt like I learned a lot because when I was in high school, I was not a fan of the coach at all. I do not like her at all. <laughs> and like she knows a, this. <laughs> she knows this. <laughs> don't like in a her. sense so it's good to have like this bad like coaches and bad teachers because then it teaches you like when you're a teacher like what you don't want to do sure yeah. which yeah. like sucks you have to go through that that way but it's like everybody at adagio like has had an experience like not an experience but their experience the whole thing has been like honestly like a lot of abuse a lot of like and when I say abuse I don't say that lightly I'm talking about like you know not supportive leaders mentors people that will tell you like oh you should be taller oh you should be skinnier things like that that really affect people like in the long term we've all experienced that and it's just unacceptable like you can't do that to a child I was told I was too skinny it's our job as educators to like to be mindful of how we talk to these these kids like they you know they are super receptive to everything we say and they look up to us so like yeah it's it's, it's, that sucks that you had to deal with that um it would be different if they came to me personally oh no you know I think if it would have been better if they would just came to me personally instead of putting me on blast in front of the whole class yeah that was hard for me like I was just standing there she like called out my name yeah I'm like, and what she had me stand in the front do? and she pulled she like said this was in middle school she said I remember I was trying this is hasn't to do a dance but it kind of it's the same thing for me she said oh I like how she auditioned for this but she knows she's not gonna get it there was no way I was gonna give her the the part what? in front of her. yeah <gasps> and she's like there's just no way she could be a queen she's way too small Wow. Oh in front of the God. whole... I was in middle yeah. school. And it's like, like you still remember that now. Oh, because absolutely. It's such like a, I remember I, like, I stood in front of the class. Like I wanted to cry right then and there. Oh, you know what? That, that reminds me. I had a similar experience. It's so annoying because it's like so common. 
But I know exactly that feeling. I was 12 years old, and I was in a big rehearsal at my first studio, Studio A. And um, I was dancing with all the older people. And it was to rent. It was Seasons of Love, right? And I remember my mom, like, didn't go up and, like, talk to the studio owner unless it was, like, a big deal, right? But they told me, pulled me in front of the whole class. I was the youngest one in the dance. You have no passion for dance. You have no heart. You have, you don't belong with this group. Like that. And I, like, remember just being, like, I have the most heart and the most passion. Like, I remember, like, I was the kid that was, like, YouTubing how to do PK turns and fuetes and, like, working my butt off, like, outside of the studio. Mm -hmm. Like, and and truly love moving, right? Like, from the get-go. Like, I just felt like that was so, yeah, it was so... um hard to hear as a 12 year old it's like how do you prove that you have heart and passion at 12 years old like I just didn't know I couldn't quite understand like and then my mom was so mad she like <laughs> she's like why would you tell a 12 year old that like I mean, <laughs> what is wrong with you when I there was a big dance group in middle school like they were kind of like the hype of the whole school like oh you're this dancer and um, you're part of this dance group here in middle school, you know? And I didn't make it the first year. And I remember I was crying in class because they, they set the list in the morning and I went to go check the list and I didn't make it. And I was so positive that I thought I was going to make it. Like I was like, I felt good enough. And I remember I was so upset and she, my mom called the, te the dance teacher and she was like, you know, she's really upset. She doesn't know why she didn't make it. You know, can we get some feedback? And she's like, well, she just needs time to grow. And it wasn't talking about my dance ability. It was physically my height. Like, I didn't. Like, something that you obviously can't control. No. That there's really no point in pointing out. Yeah, like, there's just, you know. And it's hard. A lot of people don't know, but I took growth hormone shots when I was mm. younger. Wow. So I did a lot of, um, I would get shots injected in my, like, my arms or, like, my stomach and my thighs. And honestly, I'm not, I mean, legally, like, what they say, legally a midget. You know, I, I don't know if that's offended to some people. I'm sorry, but no. that's the term, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. Um, I'm not legally a midget, but if I probably didn't do those shots, I probably would have been one. Yeah, it sucks, though, because it's, like, something you're insecure about. And, like, teachers know that. Anybody that knows you knows that because you say, like, I'm, I'm short, like, I'm short. And it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, you know, everybody does it. Like, everybody self-deprecates to, like, so that somebody else can't, right? It's, like, yeah. if you arm yourself like by first saying it, then if somebody else says it, it's, like, well, yeah, I already know, right? But it's, like, if a teacher, like, it's, like, a teacher's job to, like, you know, help you feel better about that thing. Yeah. Like, whatever that is. Like, when I block you in dances, I put you in the front. Yeah. Like, right in the middle. Instead of saying, like, oh, you're not as tall as everyone else. Like, there are ways to, like, if you're technically good enough to, like, work around that, like... Because you are small, but you're not, like, it's it, it's, it's not a it's big deal. Like, exactly. We yeah. have dancers that are tiny, too, and dancers that are super tall. Yeah, and it's say like, even when you have the dancers that are way taller than some of the other girls, you do featured parts. So right. that even if they're in the back for a group number, they have certain parts where they right. get to be, you know, shown off. I try to do that, like, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. If I have little littles or really tall girls, like, it's just, like, yeah. I mean, you have to remember at the bottom line of everything, like... I think as professionals, sometimes we forget, like, we're working with children, right? And so, like, and, and they're, and especially nowadays, they're so smart, and they're so well-spoken, and they're so emotionally intelligent, like, it's like they're little adults, like, they, 
there's especially our juniors, our nine to 13 year olds. Like when I was dancing, I just remember it being so much more like little kid. And like now the vibe, like they're so smart, you know, they know that you don't have to say anything for them to pick up on certain things. So it's really like for me, my mission, like I know one of our dancers has a really hard time with um, like her flexibility, Mm -hmm. but she's super strong turner. And so I always remind them, like, I can see the visual frustration when dancer A is watching dancer B do a needle or a leg hold turn, and they can't even still do a leg, you know, leg hold in second because of just their anatomy, right? And I'll say, like, everybody has their own strengths. Like, yeah, she could do a leg hold, but, like, look at how well you can turn. Like, everybody, you know, has their their things so then in the dance I let this one do the turns and I let that one do the flexibility but not all teachers are created equal not all teachers are that thoughtful and it's like I feel like that's our mission with this whole podcast right like let's let's talk about how we can um put mental health at the forefront of our training and that's exactly how I do it every class is like I really try if I see a kid being discouraged like you know, hey, don't compare yourself. You have really great strengths, you know. Yeah. And there's different pieces of that, too. It's not just all, like, coddling, hand-holding. Like, it's okay. feel better. Like, there's the other piece, too, of, like, yeah, sometimes kids are going to be better than you. They're going to be taller. That, that shouldn't make you feel bad. You should just yeah. you know, use it to work Finding a way to work, work through it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Too, I think as a teacher, we need to realize more that from the age of, like, seven to... 10 I really think that they remember a lot of things Mm -hmm. so everything that we say they're gonna remember that little moment that special like if you if you praised them in that moment when they're 15 they're gonna say oh I remember my teacher when she praised me during this time Mm -hmm. or I did this so sometimes sometimes kids just need a little bit more praising on they're good then yeah so you're just identifying and acknowledging when they're being awesome like especially if you have problem children right like quote-unquote problem kids like we have you know just generally kids on the spectrum right and when you're working with a kid on the spectrum oftentimes instead of saying like focus do this stop doing that blah 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 and like scolding them even though it's easier to do that in the moment because you're irritated right like remembering like this is a seven-year-old who literally can't you know pull it together like they really need somebody to just go like I love the way you did that chasse as a spider nobody else is a spider that was creative you know like and just make it and then they'll be like that was kind of cool and just to positively reinforce versus like you said like versus like don't do a chasse we're focused right now like if a kid wants to act like a spider or a bear when they do a chasse it's not hurting anyone they're just being creative like they're just unless it's like you know, they're making loud bird noises or something, which has happened before in our classes. But um, no, yeah, I completely agree. Next week, we'll be talking about backstage stories. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.